This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 29th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. Ford has just pulled the wraps off the all-new 2024 Ford Ranger and Ford Ranger Raptor, and we'll have an exclusive interview with the truck's marketing manager, Gretchen Sauer. That's coming up. America on the Road is brought to you by DrivingToday.com, YourTestDriver.com, EMLancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash autoinsurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Well, here's a rhetorical question. Can you afford to buy a new car? A lot of people can't, and we have new data that shows just how difficult it is these days. Stay tuned for the details. We'll have some tips that might be able to help you if you're in that bucket of people who can't buy a new car or can't afford to. Some thoughts on that. On the other side of the coin, a price war. Uh, we wonder if a price war is coming in the electric vehicle market. The CEO of a major global auto car maker calls the recent pricing activity by Tesla and others a worrying trend. That's in quotes. We'll tell you more later in this segment. I'm Jack Nered. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris, welcome. We were chatting a little bit about your uh, historic house in Maine. How are things going in Maine? Things are going well, Jack. We're finally, uh, I don't know if I said this last time, we're finally firmly into the normal temperatures that people would expect for spring, although we're almost now halfway through May. So uh, finally getting some good sun. How about you? Yeah, very pleasant lately. Uh, you know, I played a little baseball recently. Uh, Beautiful day. Love that. Uh, got back to the Midwest and uh, saw a baseball game in Wrigley Field, so I was excited about that. Uh, a lot of good things happening in the last last week since we talked to folks last. Chris lives, of course, at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can save some money on your cars. And uh, we, of course, road test a couple of vehicles. Chris, you've got an exciting road test vehicle to talk about. I can't wait for that. Yeah, not the ideal family hauler, but man, was it fun. It's the 2023 uh, Nissan Z. I'm super excited to talk about it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I like that car a whole bunch. I will be road testing Lexus's first all-electric vehicle, the uh, 2023 RZ450e. Small luxury crossover. Uh, battery electric, of course. And geez, uh, there's so many of those now, it's hard to keep track of them all. Everybody decided to launch in that particular segment. As we've already mentioned, the terrific guest we have for you this week is Gretchen Sauer, marketing manager for Ford Ranger and Maverick Trucks. I spoke to her at a super secret pre-launch event in Michigan last week, and I'm sure you'll enjoy what she has to say. Very knowledgeable person about uh, trucks, certainly. Before we do anything else, though, let's dive into the news. And uh, I mean, this is a, a sad story, Chris. Uh, people just can't afford to buy new cars because the prices are escalating so much. And then we have interest rates on top of that. I mean, this is uh, very troubling, isn't it? It is. I saw the price of a new car is scraping $50,000. And if you think about the interest rates on top of that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah, a lot of Americans are just being priced out of the new car market. And I would say in some ways that's a terrible thing and, and maybe terrible for the auto industry. 
maybe people are also realizing that a new car isn't the only way to get transportation, uh, reliable transportation. And a late model used car might be a, a much better bet for them financially and make a, a lot more sense. Of course, car manufacturers are building used cars every day because they sell new cars and then they immediately become used cars. So that's very cool. Spending on new cars by the lowest 20% of earners dropped to its lowest level in 11 years. This is according to a Washington Post story. So people are not buying new cars if they're in the bottom 20% of earners, uh, people who are making money. And that kind of makes sense. A at the same time, the top 20% are spending more, more than ever. Of course, they have to. This is a kind of not necessarily a great dichotomy either, though, is it, Chris? No, and if you think about it from the, I guess, the automaker's perspective, right, they've spent the last two or three years struggling with supply chain issues and COVID shutdowns and everything else. And so to a large degree, they're focused on these higher price trim levels and configurations because it makes them the most money back, I think, you know, and plus people are buying them. So at least the people who, who have money are buying them. So it's kind of a, a, a vicious circle, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. The average monthly payment now is well over $700. A monthly car loan payment that's affected by rising interest rates and we've seen hike after hike of interest rates as the fed tries to put a handle on inflation at the same time inflation is driving up the price of new vehicles driving up the price of everything actually it's it's uh, kind of amazing and we're basically not seeing any vehicles that are priced under twenty thousand dollars now that <laughs> you can count them practically on your thumbs uh, or maybe literally on your thumbs it's uh that kind of crazy i mean there were 11 or 12 models that cost less than that at the end of just 2022, not that long ago. And now that's just not happening. Yeah, even Hyundai and Kia, which have been typically the sort of value leaders in a lot of the segments, uh, even I think the, the cheapest Kia now is over $20,000 by at least a few hundred. So uh, things are, are getting out of hand. Yeah. And at the same time, electric uh, vehicle prices are high. So that's also pushing up uh, the overall average prices. It's... Uh, Let's just have to see how this unfolds. It's uh, it's interesting. I don't think we're going to see uh, any lowering of interest rates for the for the time being. Uh, so that's going to be difficult for them. Well, let's talk about something uh, maybe a little more positive in, in, in uh, for the consumer, and uh, that's a potential price war on electric vehicles. Go figure on that. But you know, I've seen some softness in sales of electric vehicles as more and more are coming into the market. It seems like I'm seeing much more in the way of incentivizing some special deals on uh, some electrics. Maybe some of them are hidden and you should look for them, but uh, very, very worthwhile. And then there's all, always the consumer confusion over the, the new tax credit rules, <laughs> which are uh, way different than the old ones. But uh, Jim Farley, a, a guy I've known for a long time, uh, I, I met him, I think, when he was first at Toyota, is now a, a big shooter CEO at Ford Motor Company, says this is a troubling trend uh, that he's seeing electric vehicle prices erode. Uh, Ford has been essentially forced to uh, cut the price of the Mustang Mach-E to match some price cuts that Tesla is doing. And uh, what's your take on that? Probably troubling for Ford because they already announced that they lost a ton of money on their EV business last year. So um, I've been seeing, and these are not confirmed reports, but anecdotal reports that the F-150 Lightning is slowing down too. So, uh, you know, the lower price to generate, to drum up some demand, but at the same time, these companies have to make a profit. So I think they're in a tough spot. Yeah. 
Well, it's tough for the consumer too. I mean, what they're seeing is when when a price drops on a new vehicle, it drives down the price and drives down the resale value of vehicles in in customer hands, uh, and that's not a good thing. I mean, Farley was quoted in Reuters as saying the resale value for people who bought at higher prices is awful, and they never forget. <laughs> You know, it's it's not a good thing. So we'll have to see how that unfolds. It's pretty significant price cuts on the Mustang Mach-E. What it struck me too, Chris, and I, I love your take on this. To me, it seems in in a lot of ways, and, and this is not a, a big knock on Mach-E, but I don't think Mach-E is really the latest technology, right? So you see a vehicle like that that's maybe a, a bit old tech or medium tech, right? And then all these others come into the marketplace. They charge faster. Maybe they have more range. Uh, maybe they're less expensive sometimes. I mean, that's a tough, tough business to be in right now, I think. Yeah, the growth and acceleration of technology and the development is, is funny, right? So you've got the Hyundai Ionic 6 and the Kia or Ionic 5 and the Kia EV6, both of which have 800-volt charging. They're around the same price as the Mach-E. They don't get the tax credit, but they charge much faster. They have a decent range, and they're, you know, like I said, around the same price. So uh, you're looking at the Mach-E that came out, what, is it 2021 now? Or is it 2020? It's been a few couple of years now. Yeah, it's so, been a little while uh, now. The, t- the technology's moved so fast. It's, it's impressive to see, but it is threatening for the Mach-E, I'm sure. Right. Ford has cut the price by three to $4,000 on most Mach-E models. Uh, the Mach-E Premium, the rear-derived version, has gone from $50,995 to $46,995. And I think I'm correct in saying that they only qualify for a $3,750 income tax credit, which is, of course, better than nothing, uh, but certainly not $7,500. And their sales were off 20% in the first three months of the year, the first quarter. So uh, not happy times at Ford for their electric vehicle business. They've had some difficulty, or you know, ramping up the production they want on the Ford F-150 Lightning, and I think they're just starting to take orders again. So it's been a tough road to hoe for Ford uh, on the EV side in the last uh, year or so, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, I think some of this could could kind of tilt back in their favor as we go forward. They've got Blue Oval City, the battery factory, and they've got all this investment that they're they're putting in, but it's going to take some time to see the returns on that. So. Uh, hopefully for them, it, it starts returning pretty soon. Yeah. The vehicles are nice. I mean, I'm still a fan of the Mach-E, and I really like the uh, F-150 Lightning. I think it's a terrific vehicle uh, with a lot of capabilities. But we'll see what happens there, and we'll see how many truck uh, truck folks want to convert into uh, electric drive. It's interesting stuff. Well, when we come back, we will have very, very cool road test vehicles for you. The the Nissan Z. Uh, what a fabulous car. What a fabulous value that thing is. So Chris will be talking about that. And I will uh, road test the Lexus RZ450E, their first all-electric car. I had a chance to drive that at a recent launch event. So great stuff coming up, we think, in the uh, vehicle review segment. So stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. For road test time. And wow, I mean, we usually have cool cars, but I think maybe uh, we're outdoing ourselves with cool cars this time around. Uh, Chris, you have the the Nissan Z, uh, one of the best, I think, performance values out there. Uh, So tell us all about it. You had a great experience with it, I think. 
I did, and I think I agree with the performance value. I will say, though, they're very hard to find. I think, you know, even looking at the inventory, uh, I started shopping for one the other day, and there are none in Maine right now. So I think, you know, uh, not every state is as rural as mine, but that's that's the case. So anyway, you can get into this thing, assuming you can find one, for around $42,000. Uh, the manual and the automatic transmission are the same price. So you can get it with a nine-speed auto, or my tester had the six-speed manual transmission, which is fantastic. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, the as-tested is around 52000 And if you can find one, there's a proto trim, which is kind of a limited edition uh, first-year model for around fifty-five. But I think the performance model, which I had, is right around the sweet spot for this car. And again, I don't think you can find the top trim anyway. But uh, this car has got a twin-turbocharged, uh, let's see, twin-turbocharged 3.0-liter V6. I'm going to pull my notes out here. There are plenty of specs to talk about. 400 horsepower, 350 pound-feet of torque. Straight to the rear wheels through a six-speed manual transmission. Jack, we've talked about this a lot, and I'm going to say it again, but I, I really enjoy the manual transmissions that come with some of the uh, easy buttons, I guess I'll say. And this car had uh, – it's excellent. One of the best, if not the best, rev matching feature on the downshift. Uh, you know, a lot of purists are going to, like, bark at me and say, well, you don't need that, and you don't. But in traffic, i got to tell you, it makes the car so much easier to drive and so much you know, easier to live with. What do you think about stuff like that? I think it's terrific, actually. I mean, uh, I will be quite honest. I, I've been doing this a long time, and there's a lot of times I kind of mess up the rev matching, you know, the, the blip of throttle and making that. I mean, I wish I were, were better at it. There are others that are more skilled at that, uh, but they, they're not as skilled as the car is at doing it. Uh, I think it's terrific, and uh, I applaud that kind of stuff. Yeah, for me, you know, it just takes sort of that the the extra thought out of the back of your head when you're driving through traffic and makes it a little bit easier to deal with. But uh, this car on the inside, Jack, this is a two-seat car. So as we talk about my family, uh, you know, this was not the primary family hauler for the week, nor was it the dog hauler. Uh, two seats and a not-so-great cargo hold, uh, but that's what you should expect in a sports car. The Toyota Supra is a little bit more practical, but it still only has two seats. So uh, you're not going to go very far there. Leather upholstery is available. My car had this really neat, almost pseudo suede, I think you'd call it Alcantara uh, material. It really grips your body into the seat. When you're driving around a corner, your your shirt and your jeans just stick into that fabric, and it really helps you hold in. Uh, the seats are nicely bolstered. There's plenty of leg room in this thing, Jack. We talk about me being six feet tall. I had room to scoot back. I could have kept going if I wanted to. So I think you could probably fit in this thing at 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and probably be okay. I don't know about headroom, but seems like there's plenty of room to move the seat down. So I will give it a tall person approval, even though I'm not that exceedingly tall. Uh, so two seats, as I said, it comes standard, I think, with an 8-inch touchscreen. It does. Mine came with a 9-inch upgraded touchscreen with navigation. I think Nissan has done a good job improving their technology over the years to keep it current. There's not been like a, a, a wave of updates, so like a significant update, but it's done just enough to keep things moving smoothly. Uh, the menus are easy to understand. Apple CarPlay, Android Auto are on board here, So, uh, and an optional Bose stereo. You're not going to be missing any of the tech that you think you want. You know, uh, The touchscreen is, is very responsive, and so uh, no issues there. This car also had a decent amount of safety features. as a blind spot monitoring forward, collision warnings. Uh, so while you might not think of a sports car as being like your, your safe family hauler, there's plenty of gear here to keep you safe while you're driving. 
I will say at legal speeds, we won't talk about going extra legal speeds, but all around, Jack, you know, I think I like the Toyota Supra. I think I give the Nissan Z an edge. It may not be as fast in some regards. I think the zero to 60 is just over four seconds here. But I think for the package for me, as much of a Toyota fan as I am, I would probably lean for the Z and I would definitely go for the manual. It's one of the smoothest. And as I said, those extra features make it fantastic uh, to use on a daily basis. So if you can find one for MSRP, I say go for it if you're looking for one of these cars. Absolutely. I love that car. I really do. I would configure it just the way you, you mentioned. And uh, what a blast. <laughs> you know, yeah, the kind I might of thing steer that, away from the bright yellow paint job that mine had. I might go for a blue or a black. But, uh, you know, other than that, it was pretty good. Yeah. The kind of thing that makes us want to drive. Absolutely. Well, I was driving a vehicle that kind of makes you want to drive, but in a different way. It is the Lexus RZ450. It's the uh, first all-electric, first battery electric Lexus. It's a small luxury crossover. Uh, two row, five seat, just smack in the smack dab in the middle of a just a raft of luxury battery electric crossovers. Uh, there's of course the Tesla Model Y, the Genesis GV60, Mercedes-Benz EQB, the Cadillac Lyric. I, I think the Lyric's actually a little bit bigger, but priced about the same. And the Volvo XC40 Recharge among them. Uh, there are more. <laughs> it's a kind of a laundry list. Kind of amazing the number of cars in uh, that luxury segment. But of course, battery electrics are uh, a bigger percentage of luxury sales than they are mass market sales because pricing, basically. The RZ450 is available in two trim levels, premium and luxury. Uh, the premium starts at about $60,000, $59,650, including the $1,150 destination fee. So it starts out, <laughs> this is not a big car, but it is uh, well over $50,000 and, and climbing up towards sixty. It has a, a bunch of stuff, um, LED headlights and running lights, LED everywhere. It has a two-panel panoramic glass roof that's kind of an interesting differentiator. It has faux leather upholstery, uh, power adjustable seats, memory settings, heated ventilated seats, the kind of stuff you'd expect in a, in a luxury vehicle. One of the cool things that you would not necessarily expect is the radiant heating for the front seat occupants. That's $100, $175 option on uh, the premium version, uh, but I think worthwhile. What it does is it saves you a lot of range. Basically, it's you know kind of a, a, a little thing that he heats your legs uh, you know, from the top as opposed to heating the, the air in the cabin. So that's a, a definite energy saver. And then uh, the luxury trim starts about $65,000 and goes on up. has more stuff. It has a 13-speaker Mark Levinson surround sound system, for example. Let's dive into performance on this thing. It has 308 horsepower, 321 pound-feet of torque from its dual-motor electric drive. That's pretty good. Four different driving modes, eco, normal, sport, and range. And you might want to <laughs> Play with the range thing a little bit because range uh, might be uh, this thing's uh, kryptonite uh, in some ways compared to some of the other vehicles. Fairly quick, uh, zero to 60 miles per hour in about five seconds flat. Not super fast, but you know certainly that's quick. Before I go onward, Chris, uh, what's your overall take on, on RZ from Lexus? You know, I'm a Toyota Lexus fan. Uh, we've talked about this. I just mentioned it a moment ago. I think for me with these vehicles, you know, the range is okay. The design is fine. I don't think for me there's anything here that screams, you know, this is better than any of the other vehicles in its class. And uh, and I'm sure you're going to get to it, but the charging speed, I believe, is, is something that would hold me back from this, at least, you know, for a little initially. Yeah. It does have four levels of regenerative braking. 
but oddly enough, it doesn't have a uh, one-pedal drive mode among them. So I, I found that a little strange. It gets you close, but then uh, it wants you to apply the brake. I think what they're trying for here is a, a little bit of sporty handling, kind of what uh, on the Toyota side they're doing with the, the Prius is make this more than just a electric vehicle or zero emission play. The issue here against some others, and, and I, you know, I'm kind of out two minds on this, but this doesn't offer a ton of range. The highest range in the RZ is about 220 miles on a charge. So there are numerous vehicles that are comparable that offer more all-electric range than this does. And then, as you mentioned, the charging time is not all that quick compared to some others in the in the segment. It will go uh, from 20 to 80 percent capacity on a DC fast charger in about 30 minutes. So yeah, I guess you could make the case uh, 30 minutes is not that much worse than 20 minutes or 15 minutes, which is about the quickest that any of these vehicles will do that. Of course, when you've got to that uh, that 80% charge, you don't have the range that you have in, in some of those other vehicles that charge faster. So you have that you know bit of double whammy going on. It is a good-looking car inside and out. has a 14-inch digital touchscreen. Uh, it has the new uh, Toyota-branded interface and operating system, so very good. 10-speaker Lexus audio system in the, in the premium. 13-speaker Mark Levinson uh, surround sound system that works great. Nice interior overall. I, again, not shockingly wonderful and not shockingly bad. I mean, there's nothing bad about it. Very pleasant. I think the secret sauce here will be Lexus dealers, and I think that's what Lex Lexus is counting on here. Lexus dealers are, are great at hand-holding their customers. They can walk their customers through the electric vehicle experience in a way that uh, you're never going to get if you buy a vehicle online. So maybe that's that's the secret uh and going to help them. Yeah, let's hope. And, you know, I've had a good uh, Lexus service experience, so you know, I, I can definitely say that they do better than most. Um, so maybe that'll be their differentiator. I really do like the design, though. I don't want to. I don't mean to speak down about it or even sound that negative because it isn't. That it's not a bad vehicle by any means at all. But I'd be I'll be excited to see where they go in year two and three with this in terms of improvements and, and revisions. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, maybe the range is not an issue if you're charging overnight. Uh, it probably isn't. Uh, well, when we come back, we'll have a, a terrific guest. Gretchen Sauer is marketing manager for Ford Ranger and Maverick Trucks. And uh, so we will be speaking with her about the all-new 2024 Ford Ranger. Pretty cool. And, of course, the Ranger Raptor. So stay with us for that, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jackie Red, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him. He meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days, he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel. So he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon, 
and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Arney Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. We're lucky to be outside Detroit, Michigan. It seems uh, very un-Detroit-like here. But we're here for the uh, introduction of the 2024 Ford Ranger. With me is Gretchen Sauer, who is the marketing manager for this vehicle, absolute expert on this vehicle, has filled us in about it. Tell us about the 2024 Ranger, I mean, from a 35,000 foot level. Absolutely. So the all new 2024 Ford Ranger is the most adventure ready Ranger ever. And it's the only midsize pickup truck that's built Ford tough. We've added tons of great new features and versatility to this Ranger that I'm happy to discuss with you today. I'm excited to discuss it because this is such a cool vehicle. And I think such a step forward of the current Ranger. Not that there was anything wrong with the current Ranger, but I think you've got to feel that way too. What do you think are some of the advances that this this Ford Ranger makes? Well, so the first thing that we did to this Ranger is we put it through built Ford tough testing, right? We went through extreme testing because we know that that's what our customers want. Um, it's incredibly capable for towing, for hauling, for off-road performance. And we also worked on the versatility of it, right? So you heard today that it's two inches wider, which enables us to put lots of cargo carrying capability in the bed. And then of course, on the inside, you saw a sneak peek at how we have fold flat rear seats and storage underneath the rear seat, which is great. Yeah, very, very cool. You kept it garageable, and that's important for this size of truck, isn't it? And your customers told you that. Absolutely. So we heard from our customers that, you know what, listen, we need to take this into the city. We have to use it for our work. We have to use it for our recreation, and it's got to fit on the trails. So we made sure that we kept it small enough that it's not intimidating to drive daily. It fits in those parking decks in the city, and it can fit in your garage at home. At the same time, it almost presents like a full-size truck. It has that kind of gravitas to it. Uh, talk about that and talk about the exterior styling and wh what you're trying to get across. Yeah, there. absolutely. So like all of our trucks, we want to stay true to our built Ford tough DNA, right? So, you know, when you look at the stance of the vehicle, when you look at the sides of the vehicle, you see truly Ford truck DNA in it. But at the same time, it has to have that towing capability, that hauling capability, because we know that our customers want that. They need that. They need it for work. They need it for recreation and they need to take it out to the trails. So we ensured that we had that type of towing capability up to 7,500 pounds on this vehicle, up to 1,805 pounds of payload on this vehicle so that they could do what they need for work and then do what they need for home as well. Right. Powertrain changes this time around, right? You kind of enhanced powertrain and some coming later maybe, but tell us about that. Yeah, so we've got a ton of choice on this vehicle. So first and foremost, your standard powertrain is a 2.3 liter EcoBoost engine. Then we'll have a late availability that'll be available late this fall. Uh, it's a 2.7 liter V6 EcoBoost. It's great. Um, it's gonna be a really peppy engine. We know our customers want that. And then on the Ranger Raptor, which you saw a sneak peek today, uh, that will have a three liter EcoBoost, which will have 405 horsepower and 430 pound-feet of torque. So the first time a Raptor version of the Ranger, right? Absolutely. What, first time. What's the rationale for that? <laughs> well, so, you know, we're, we're all about adding derivatives at Ford and, and Raptor is one of our derivative strategies, right? And so we're, we're finally bringing Raptor to the Ranger family. Um, it's all about off-road capability, but it's in the Ranger package. And we heard from customers, you know, they told us, they said, 
we like the F-150 Raptor, but we need something that's a little bit less intimidating to drive daily. And so we kept the Ranger Raptor within the size that customers need to drive daily to take on the trails. It's got the right package. It's got the right suspension um, to be able to take those trails comfortably. Yeah, and there's kind of little different flavors of the various Raptors, aren't there? There's the Bronco Raptor, the F-150 Raptor, and now the Ranger Raptor, and they all have kind of a little bit different function, don't they? Each one has its own place in our lineup, right? You have F-150 Raptor, which is just extreme off-roading, take it in the dirt, have fun. Then you've got Bronco Raptor. If you don't need to tow, if you don't need to haul and carry things in your bed, right, then Bronco Raptor's great and it's awesome to off-road. Then you've got Ranger Raptor. You can take it into the city. It'll fit in a parking garage. It'll fit in your home garage too, but then it'll off-road as well. The Ranger strikes me, the 2024 Ranger strikes me as being so consumer-friendly just as a day-to-day -day vehicle. Not intimidating, as you say, to drive in urban areas, easy to park compared to the F-150, all those things. Talk about that, you know, and talk about the customer, who that customer is. Yeah, so our customers are fearless and independent. They are masters at their craft. They focus on the journey. They're all about the transformation. And this vehicle has to go on that journey with them, right? So when you think about a journey, you have to do some preparation, right? You have to pack what you need. You have to carry what you need with you. And the Ranger brings that for you. So if you think about the bed, right? You've got tons of space to bring the tools and equipment that you need for your journey, whether it's a vacation with your family or something something that you're, you're you know, doing on your right. own. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then um, in addition to that, we also have a lot of great driver assist technologies that you heard about today. So you talk about in the city, we've got Active Park Assist 2.0, which helps you parallel park um, in some of those tight spaces. Maybe if you're not comfortable, that's okay. Um, we can certainly help you with that. Um, and then in addition to that, there's lots of great towing technology on this vehicle. We've got Pro Trailer Backup Assist, fully integrated trailer brake controller, right? If you're a seasoned pro or you're a novice at trailering, we've got you covered. Yeah. And the blind spot extends across the trailer too. So you can see the, the sides of the vehicle are very, very useful. Walk us through the lineup because not everybody's going to buy a Raptor, obviously. I, most of the volume is elsewhere. Talk about that. Yeah, so there are four series on the 2024 Ranger Raptor. Your uh, starting series will be the XL, and that'll come in right around uh, 35,000. Uh, then you'll have the XLT, the Lariat, and then all the way up to the Ranger Raptor. Now, across these series, you'll have choices between 4x2 and 4x4. Um, all of our series will be available in the uh, the Super Cab ver or Super Crew version, I should say. Um, and of course, you can add different packages, advanced towing, tech package, whatever you need for your day-to-day -day driving. Convenience features like you mentioned the fold-down rear seat, which I have not seen in another vehicle. I mean, maybe I, others have it and I just haven't noticed, but you know, that strikes me as very, very useful because basically it kind of makes that trunk space if you don't need those seats. Talk about that a little bit and, and what's under those seats as well. So um, what we have is we have the fold flat rear seats, as you mentioned, and then we have storage beneath those rear seats. So, you know, for someone who goes out after work to a trailhead, maybe to do a hike for sunrise, right? You've got your work laptop with you. You've got your phone with you, maybe some other Jeez, I hope not if you're going to do well, all that fun stuff. <laughs> well, maybe you're leaving the office, yeah, right? Yeah, right? And you've got it with you. And right. so you, you absolutely need to store those things in a safe place. You don't want to put them on your seat. And so you can store them beneath the seat. Maybe there's also something that you don't use very frequently, like um, clamp tie downs or something like that. Information and connectivity, very, very important to folks these days. And 
you have really cool screens in this vehicle, both from the base truck all mm -hmm. the way up. Walk, walk us through that. Yeah, so we have a standard eight inch uh, screen on this vehicle, um, and then you can get all instrumentation, the right? Instrumentation, yeah. yep. And then you've got uh, a, an optional 12 inch that you can have on your digital cluster. And then when we think about Sync 4A, so we are bringing Sync 4A to this vehicle. Um, which is really important. That's enhanced voice recognition. It's all the goodies. It's like that iPad screen that you have on your vehicle. Um, you can get a 10 inch or a 12 inch on that, which is awesome. And of course, as you said, customers want to be connected. So we've got a 4G LTE modem inside this vehicle to keep our customers connected wherever they are in the world. Mm -hmm. I found it interesting that one of the designers, I think, mentioned that they had integrated the center um, display more into the panel as opposed to kind of floating out of it, just kind of for a, a strength look. So one of the things that we really focused on with this redesign was giving that strength and horizontality that our customers, our truck customers love. Let's talk about the truck bed. I mean, certainly it's a pickup truck, right? The bed is pretty important and the tailgate's important. Walk us through that. Yeah, so the bed, um, as I mentioned, the overall Ranger is wider. And having a wider Ranger means that you have more space in your bed. So it's wide enough for those DIY projects that you can you know, fit four foot wide sheets in between the wheel wells. That's super important if you've ever done a, yes. you know, a drywall project or you something like that. You don't want like them that. going there. You can't have drywall kind of at an angle. In, exactly, in the, in the exactly. So it stays flat. And then in addition to that, within our bed, we also have built-in tie downs and sidewall pockets. So divvying up the cargo space is something that's super important to our customers, right? You never know what you're carrying in that bed, but you need to be able to have some versatility. Um, so those built-in tie downs and those sidewall pockets are gonna help with that. Then we have uh, a, a couple little, I would say, helpful features for customers. I'll call them convenience features. First, we've integrated the box side step into the uh, side of the vehicle. And what that's gonna do for our customers is when they, they get up and they want to reach into the bed, they can fit their foot onto the side of the box side step, reach in and grab something out of the bed versus you know maybe opening the, the uh, tailgate or, or you know having to, to reach through or climb in. So first convenience feature. Next on the tailgate, we also have a built-in ruler, um, a bottle opener, and a bag hanger. Should the you bottle need opener that. key. Absolutely it's smart key. idea. So uh, we added those features as well, just for a little surprise and delight for our right. customers. What is the most exciting or uh, consumer-friendly feature of this vehicle to you? To what me, do you? What do you like the best? You know, for me, I, I really appreciate all of the driver assist technologies. You know, as someone who drives daily to work, who drives, you know, daily on the weekends, to me, having an easy driving experience is something that's most important. So when will consumers see this in Ford showrooms? So we will be on sale later this summer, um, and we will have a lot of information on Ford.com slash Ranger ready for our customers to check out. Terrific. Well, Gretchen South, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. Ford Motor Company. Thank you so much, Jack, for your time. Great to be here and stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road. This is Jack Nerad and Chris Teague with you, and we're so glad you're with us here on America on the Road. Uh, love to talk to you, love to help you out, and this is a time when we take questions, so we'd love to answer your questions. It's easy to get a question to us. Just send it to us at editor at drivingtoday.com, and we'll put your question on an upcoming show. And Chris, I've got an interesting question. I think it's an interesting question for you, and uh, I'll attempt to give my bit of an answer too, but here is the question. This is from Stevie in Camarillo, California. 
We were about to buy a Hyundai Ioniq 5, and then we learned that we couldn't get the tax credit we thought we were going to get. That $7,500 is a lot of money and meant a lot to us. Why did the rules suddenly change? What's going on? Why did the rules suddenly change? We've asked this question a bunch of yeah, times. Explain the, the federal happened. government to us, will you? <laughs> Uh, there was new legislation that came out late last year called the Inflation Reduction Act, and that introduced new EV tax credit rules, among which are requirements on where the battery raw materials come from and where the vehicle is built. So for the in the case of the Ionic 5, their battery materials, I'm not actually sure where they come from, but they're not from an approved country. Um, and the vehicle is being built in South Korea and a couple other countries that don't have ties to North America. So for that reason, uh, it can't qualify for either half of the the tax credit. So uh, like we discussed earlier in the show, the Ford Mustang Mach-E is, does have a final assembly location in North America. So it gets half the tax credit, $3,750. I will say I've seen some incentives for these vehicles, Jack. And I don't know what you see on your end of the country, but... Yeah, I have seen that too here in in, the, in uh, Southern California. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Hyundai and, and Kia both are in the same boat and they're 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 trying to catch up with some of these these... Without having tax credits, they're offering incentives to make the vehicles more attractive. So you may be able to find a deal. If not, you could look at like a Tesla Model Y or the Mustang Mach-E. The Model Y, some of them are available with up to the $7,500 credit. So uh, you have other options, although I do love the Ionic 5. Yeah. Well, I mean, this really took uh, Hyundai unawares uh, and Kia at the same time. Of course, both come from the same parent company. And they were expecting that $7,500. And Despite the incentives, I doubt that the incentives are going to add up to $7,500, um, maybe 5000 something like that. It will get you closer, but I don't think you'll be whole versus having had that tax incentive uh, as recently as just before January. So a, a big difference. And uh, another little uh, added kind of odd, oddball thing about this is it really doesn't matter where the battery components come from if the vehicle is not built in the United States. So that's number one to qualify for $7,500. Oh, and, yeah. and if you don't have that, you might have batteries that are sourced in, uh, from approved countries, but you're not going to get that, that, 30, that 3750 So That makes more sense, yeah. So it's, um, it has changed the game very significantly. It has uh, been a great thing for General Motors, been a great thing for Tesla, who had uh, kind of aged out or uh, volumed out of the the incentives, and on the other side of the coin, for the other man, virtually every other manufacturer, it has been a very very difficult thing to kind of swallow, and uh, they're being forced to swallow that. Well, let's take another question. Keeley uh, in Sugarland, Texas, asks this. I think it's a good question. A lot of people probably have uh, similar questions here. We're looking at getting an SUV with three rows of seating, and we wonder about the Kia Telluride and the Kia Sorento. They look like possibilities. What can you tell us about both of those vehicles? Is one better than the other? Well, it depends on how much space you actually need because the Telluride is larger than the uh, Sorento. It's got about 20% more uh, room behind the second row seats, so uh, more cargo space too. I should mention, Jack, having driven both of these with kids in the third row, neither is particularly spacious in the way back, as my kids call it. Uh, but if you need a little bit extra space, the 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 Telluride is going to be the way to go. Uh, and with the third row folded down, it's got a fantastic cargo space. So for me, this really comes down to how much space do you need? Because I think both are fantastic vehicles um, in their own in their own way. Yeah. I mean, the Kia Telluride really kind of took hold. Uh, people love its styling. I think then they uh, refreshed the styling of the Sorento. And I think it's also a very, very good looking vehicle now. As, as you mentioned, just a little bit sm smaller. It's a little interesting to me that uh, Kia kept both of those vehicles 
because uh, they are so similar. I got kind of competing in the same class, but a little bit different. And that's a class with you know, a lot of sales, a lot of sales volume. So maybe it makes sense to have both of those vehicles. I would say that if you don't need that added space, you might uh, be able to drive a better deal on the Sorento and, and get that vehicle a little less expensively. So there's that. On the other hand, I, I love the Telluride. And, and frankly, I love the uh, Hyundai Palisade, which is essentially its uh, fraternal twin. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The Telluride is still a hot seller. I didn't, you know, it's hard to find inventory on those things. But I like how Kia built the Telluride. Everybody flocked to it. And then they sort of Telluride-ified the styling of their other vehicles, like the Kia Carnival minivan shares some elements with the Telluride. The Sorento has got some stuff too, but uh, it's all for the better because it's a great SUV. So again, down to space, but you make a good point on cost too. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to the Kia people, they will point to the Telluride as a game changer for them. I mean, it really changed so many things for them, got them on a lot of consideration sets uh, that they were never on before. And uh, it's really worked out well for them. And it's still a great vehicle and still, I think, a, a, a good value. So I agree. Look, look at that. Well, let's take this question from Charlie in Vero Beach, Florida, where the Dodgers used to train, as I remember, but they don't anymore. In fact, they train in, in Arizona. I got to visit their spring training site uh, about a month or so ago. I think we talked about that a little bit on the, on the show. Here's the question, though. Uh, am I seeing things or are pickup trucks getting huge? I used to think I wanted one, but when I see them in a parking lot... I, I don't think I can even climb into one of them very easily. What's going on here? Why is this happening? Well, everything is getting larger. If you look at the Porsche 911 now, it's about twice the size as it was 30 or 40 years ago. And you do make a good point. I think the new uh, Ford Ranger is about the size of the old Ford F-150. So things are getting larger. The capability is going up too, right? So vehicles for a lot of reasons are getting larger for more technology, more capability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they're also more expensive. Uh, so... You know, for me, mid-sized truck is a sweet spot, right? You don't need the gigantic truck unless you need to tow 10,000 plus pounds. Uh, but a lot of people do need that for work and stuff too, Jack. So I don't know. You know, I, I could point to a bunch of different reasons, but I, I don't I don't think I have a good handle on exactly why everything, at least pickup trucks, are so much larger than they used to be. Well, I think one of those reasons is because they can make them that way, right? And people still buy them and then they can make more money from them. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm just like you, Chris. I mean, I looked at I was uh, lucky enough to go on this, you know, super, super secret Ford Ranger thing. And looking at the Ford Ranger, it struck me, this, this looks like a full size pickup truck to me. You know, when it's properly optioned out and uh, it just presents like a full time pickup. It's still garageable, though. And I think that that's super important to the Ford people. It's super important to the buyer that you can fit that in a garage. You can't do that with a lot of the, the trucks that we road test. I mean, it stretches halfway across the you know my yard when I have one parked out in front of the house. It's, it's kind of amazing and, and somewhat daunting in, a, in, in many ways to drive a, a full size F-150 or Silverado these days. So like you say, the the sweet spot is is probably mid-sized trucks like the Ranger. Uh, there's a new Colorado and Canyon from uh, General Motors, uh, from Chevrolet and GMC. So cool stuff out there, I think. Yeah, I think the Ford Maverick sales, too, shows that there was plenty of pinup demand for a, a smaller pickup truck than even the mid-sized range. So um, if you don't need it, don't spend the money on it. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised how nice that Maverick pickup truck is. I, I had one recently. I was in Chicago and uh, drove it back and forth uh, from the airport to Wrigley Field and, uh, you know, my, my brother's house. Really enjoyed that vehicle a lot. So a lot to like about that vehicle as well. And you don't need the 
the super giant pickup truck uh, to uh, do what you need to get done. Not at all. Talk to us, Chris, about yourtestdriver.com. Yeah, Jack, I mention this every week on the air, but we're going to run this for three more weeks through the end of May. We have a giveaway for Skip Barber Racing School and Team O'Neill Rally School here in New Hampshire. All you have to do is follow our Instagram page and tag yourself or your friend on one of our posts. Uh, the link is right on the website. Uh, and you're entered to win. It's that easy. And it's a free a free thing. And these things are uh, about $3,000 each for one of these days for a day school at, at these schools. So uh, this is a very good opportunity for somebody to get behind the wheel and learn a few things. Those schools are really the time of your life. Talk about memorable. I've been to several of them. I still vividly remember each one of them. Uh, it's something our listeners should absolutely do is go to yourtestdriver.com and, and get that get that lined up for yourself. At least enter to win. Uh, <laughs> please check out my new book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. Of course, it's available on Amazon as a Kindle ebook or as a paperback. So check that out. If you like our show, and you've made it to the end, so you've liked it at least up till now or, or whatever, uh, please listen to, the, uh, to it on the radio station. You're listening to it on now each week. Pass it on, if you will. Yeah, if you want to take us with you wherever you go and not just sit in your car on the radio, you can head to the sportsmapradio.com website and find us on the Saturday morning schedule. Uh, our podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major platforms. And you can also find a radio formatted version if you prefer to listen to it that way. Uh, but check us out. Yep, available as a podcast, available on the radio on many, many stations. I think close to 100 stations across the country on the Sports Map Radio Network. And it's all so you can listen to us. And we do appreciate that. We appreciate you listening every week to America on the Road. And uh, join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel. So he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out.